Let me take you behind the scenes real quick for this here radio program. I'm about to pull back the curtains a little bit (laughs) on how things are done on Locked In with McComas and Thune. So most days, right before we go on the air, uh, Parker and I will have a very, very quick chat like, hey, you good if we lead with this? Yeah, man, this is next upcoming visit, yada, yada, yada. It's it's really, really quick. Well, I, I did that today. Because a couple of hours ago, I saw that Peyton Bowen, who we've been talking about all week long, is not not already uh, not not only going to be in Norman this weekend, but the weekend after in week three, he's going to be at A and M for that A and M Miami game. So I go to Parker basically to be like, "Hey man, you cool if we lead with Peyton Bowen again? He's taking this A and M visit." And I asked Parker about that A and M visit if he's definitely going there, and he said, <laughs> "We'll see." And I call it the Thune smirk, but I basically got the Thune smirk before we even went on the show today. So, planned on leading with this A&M visit, and then I talked to you today, and you're like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that A&M visit happens. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Well, and here's the deal. Here's the deal, Tyler. If Oklahoma and the Sooners contingent of commits that are going to be in attendance have their way, Peyton Mullen's not going to make it down to College Station next weekend. Now... I'm not saying this weekend is definitely when Peyton Mullen flips. Again, as I've said all week, I've seen this timeline pushed back further and further to such a point that I kind of got to see it to believe it. But here's what I do know. The Sooners are getting ready to make a big, big push this weekend to make sure that Peyton Mullen's a Sooner, that Jordan Renaud is a Sooner, and... That Ryan Yates is a Sooner because he's now on the visit list as well. Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, we saw that uh, tweet yesterday. I think it was uh, during Locked On yesterday. Somebody from Locked Rivals. Um, somebody from, uh, did I say Locked On? Nice. Locked in. Uh, somebody from Rivals tweeted out that, yeah, R- Ryan Yates said he's done. He's locking it down. He's going to LSU. And then 24 hours later, he's heading to OU instead. Uh-huh. Huh. Interesting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Again, take it all with a grain of salt, folks, and follow the visits because there's one school in particular that Ryan Yates has visited again and again and again over the last few months, and it's not LSU. Much like there's one school that Peyton Bowen has visited again and again and again over the last few months, and it's not Notre Dame. You're just saying, this is uh, this is the smile and nod, like with Jordan Renaud all over again. Is that what you're trying to be cryptic about and telling me here? No, I'm just trying to tell you, man, like, if, if I got to put my chips in the middle right now, I still believe that Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates are both going to be Sooners. Like if, you asked, if you told me I had to make a bet right now as to whether Peyton Bowen is a Sooner or anything else, and a bet as to whether Ryan Yates is a Sooner or an LSU Tiger. I'm throwing the money on the Sooners. And I trust that this weekend, even if Oklahoma doesn't succeed in locking Bowen and Yates down, they're going to make it very, very difficult for those two to visit anywhere else from here on out. It's like we've been saying now for about a month, maybe a little bit more than a month, is at this point, I don't care what the star is next to the name or where the kid is currently committed or who OU is recruiting against for said player, you got to have all the confidence in the world that they're going to win out in that recruitment. Why? 
because they're batting about 900 so far in uh, this recruiting cycle, seemingly, when they're going head-to-head for a player. Like, Parker and I, a couple weeks ago, we are having a hard time remembering the last guy that OU lost out on. And finally, we thought of, like, a player or two, but seriously, OU's hitting, like, 900 this recruiting cycle, so... All of the names that we mentioned this week, all of the names that we're going to continue to mention before Saturday hits, OU has a legitimate chance at every single one of them. Air Comfort Solutions text line Maybe better than 50% chance with all these guys, by the way. Uh, Yeah. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, has Venables had a meeting with the girlfriend yet? If he hasn't, might want to play that card, Brent. Who do you think took the picture this weekend between the girlfriend (laughs) and Billy Bowman, huh? To be fair, it looked like it was either the girlfriend or Peyton Bowman. Yeah, well, Brent was just standing that close just to make it look like a selfie so no one would get suspicious there. Yeah, Brent, if you're up there in that giant office listening, if you haven't talked to the girlfriend yet, might be that time. Might be time to pull out the big guns. 909 area code. Peyton uh, Bowen visiting A&M the week after his visit to Norman. Hopefully he never makes it. I actually – I mean, yes, if I had my preference – I would say that he commits after this weekend and doesn't make the College Station visit. But, hey, just like to see Leacana is taking the uh, Texas visit this weekend to see them lose to Alabama, let Peyton Bowen go down to College Station and let A&M get beat by Miami. That's right. I am uh, predicting that Miami, the U, they beat A&M in College Station in Week 3. And I'm with you on that. I think Miami wins that football game too. So, all in all, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Think about this, Tyler. And I'm trying not to slip into the post-hoke, ergo-propter-hoke type of fallacious line of reasoning here. But think about what happened between the time that Ryan Yates told that reporter that he's locked in with LSU and today when it becomes public via reporting from my colleague Brandon Drum that Ryan Yates is going to visit Oklahoma. What happened between then and now? Uh, Brian Kelly said something dumb like he already has a few times already to him. That's my best guess. That, and also they lost to Florida State. Uh, Brian Kelly tried to dance with uh, Ryan Yates on a recruiting visit. Huh? Am I on to something here? That that probably mm-hmm. happened at a certain point. By the way, did you see the whole exchange with Brian Kelly and that reporter? Yeah, uh, y- yeah everyone did. Okay, I just want to make it like... <laughs> As if Brian Kelly already wasn't enough of a caricature of himself. He goes and does that. And everybody watching can just tell, okay, you you have a terrible sense of humor. Like You're trying to make a joke here, and no one is laughing. If he was trying to make a joke, yeah, you're right. He's got a terrible sense of humor. Like He looked like he was really serious. He, he was being, I thought he was being extremely condescending. I, I, I didn't see a guy that was attempting to make a joke there. Maybe that's what he said afterward after he got dunked on by a reporter. But my belief is he was trying to be a, a hard ass with the media, and it didn't work out too well. I just tend to believe that Brian Kelly is so old and out of touch, as you've seen with things like the fake Cajun accent and the dancing with the 360 camera in the recruiting video. I just, I'm inclined to believe that he's so old and out of touch that he's trying to vibe with these young reporters and like get on their level and crack these sarcastic jokes, and it's just failing miserably. Be careful what you wish for. Brian Kelly uh, is getting a nice payday uh, from LSU, which is nice. And as of right now, he's going to have a massive buyout. 
but he is in front of the most bat, you know what, crazy fan base in college football, and they basically already hate him uh, after one game. They all they all hate him after game one, and it's hard to turn LSU fans' opinion around after they've all decided seemingly in unison that they completely hate your guts. You're not one of their guys, and you're just not going to work out. Yeah, look, and I remember talking about this last November. Heck. I remember talking about this last October when it became evident that Coach O was going to be out the door. LSU screwed the pooch by not going and hiring Billy Napier. I know. Because you talk about a guy that could succeed with that school and with that job, he was right up the road. Yeah. And instead, they threw all kinds of money at Brian Kelly to make the most drastic culture shift imaginable in college football and come from South Bend, Indiana, and the University of Notre Dame to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Louisiana State University. Yeah, and, and it's not that they didn't hire Billy Napier. It's like they didn't even interview him. LSU was too high and mighty. They were too good to hire the coach from uh, UL down the street. Like, that—that that is beneath us. We're going to go get Lincoln Riley, or we're going to go get someone like Brian Kelly. We're going to go get a big fish here. Well, you didn't interview Billy Napier, and who looks like they're on a better trajectory right now? The I'm Florida gonna, program or the LSU program? I'm going to go out on a limb here, Tyler. And I'm going to venture to say that Billy Napier is far more successful at Florida than Brian and Kelly is at LSU. I am uh, willing to go there as well. Uh, yeah, yes, text line, we see all your flat tire jokes. <laughs> Did that happen two recruiting cycles ago? Is that it when was, that happened? Uh, was it Wanye Morris that that happened with? I can't remember exactly who it was. But basically, the, uh, the story goes, and, and the text line can... Uh, give us a little bit more details. A recruit was supposed to come to Norman for a game weekend and basically got a flat tire, supposedly, and had to turn around and go back home and never made the visit. Is that essentially what uh, happened? So it, was, it wasn't Wanye Morris then? I thought they were coming from the state of Texas, Okay, said recruit was. okay. I could be wrong about that, but I thought it was a kid from the state of Texas. I don't know. I was brand new to the recruiting game at that point, so... Yeah, I'm going to need some help on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, if any of you know the full backstory there. Uh, but, yes, lots of lots of flat tire jokes on the text line. This is, I mean, this is a pivotal weekend for Oklahoma, not just with Bowen, who's obviously the one that we're going to be talking the most about uh, over the course of the days to come. But you got Jordan Renaud on an official visit as well. And... I can tell you this, Tyler, having watched Jordan Renaud in person, was down at the Under Armour camp in Dallas back in March. Renaud was out there competing. And, I mean, you had elite-level competition across the board, nationally regarded blue-chip guys at every single position. Jordan Renaud, among defensive linemen, would have been by far the most outstanding performer that day, if not for the presence of DJ Hicks. Yeah. And what's most impressive about, about Jordan Renaud is that I was having a conversation. I can't remember with whom the other day, but I was having a conversation with somebody about Jordan Renaud, and they were like, yeah, he's an interior guy, right? I was like, I in theory, maybe down the road, but right now he's only about 240, 245 pounds. He is strong, man. For having that kind of frame, he can move somebody. You line him up. Across from somebody that's got 75, 80 pounds on him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
It but, does not matter. By the way, the kid was Leon O'Neal. And, yeah, he did end up committing to A&M uh, uh, shortly Leon after that. Yeah, no, it, it's a good point about Jordan Renaud. And, and don't overlook the importance of this recruitment. Look, I know everyone is most excited about DJ Hicks. Heck, I fall into that category. He's the best player that OU might get in this cycle. But here's what's important. And with all the excitement about DJ Hicks, here's what you've got to remember a guy with guys like Jordan Renaud, PJ Adabare, and the other defensive linemen they're going to have in this class. It wasn't going to be enough just to get DJ Hicks in this class. Yes, that would be a massive improvement from what you've gotten on the defensive line. That's your guy in the middle for the next three years. I mean, you are set at that position with a guy that's this high caliber. But to be a dominant defensive line, Parker, and to recruit a dominant defensive line class, you had to have more than just DJ Hicks. You had to have a couple of nice edge players. You had to have some other guys across the defensive line that could get pressure up the middle as well. So this defensive line class to me is way more, or will be way more, than just five-star DJ Hicks if he does end up committing. You are solid. You are strong all the way across the defensive line. And defensive line depth is what we've been talking about here for a while, and this class seemingly could give you that in a hurry. That's why players like Jordan Renaud, they're really good, but it's important that you have some real D-line depth in this class. You know what's funny? You think back a few months. You remember the whole Sean Davian Bradley discourse? Yes. So the Sooners were in line to get a commitment from him pretty imminently when Muleshoe decided to head west. And then the new staff got onto the scene, and they established some contact with Bradley, and he was still just as high on Oklahoma, and they probably could have locked him down pretty expediently at the very beginning and made him a foundational piece of this class, but yet they stopped recruiting him. And I remember, Tyler, at the time, this is probably February or March, I was willing, and I think kind of the consensus that we reached on the show and on the text line is that, look... This is Brent Venables we're dealing with, and going to give him the benefit of the doubt, give this staff the benefit of the doubt, but you're not going to be able to help but look back and wonder what if with a guy like that, unless you're real confident that you're about to land some studs at that edge position. Well, you fast forward six months, Tyler, and the Sooners have P.J. Atabari locked down, a five-star. You have Tassili Akana. Taking an official visit on October 15th, the Sooners appear to be in the driver's seat there. And then, oh, the guy that was a three-star back then that was just kind of starting to make a name for himself on the national recruiting scene, a kid by the name of Colton Vosick from Austin-Westlake. All of a sudden, that looks like one of the best evals in this oh, yeah. entire class. Oh, yeah. Um, great point text line from the 918. Yes, it would be hilarious if Tassili Akana, OU actually gets a commit out of him, and he does it Saturday night after what he sees happen in Austin this weekend when Bama hangs about 56 on the horns. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Hey, by the way, you know where they're listening from today? Oh, we have me. never, well, as far as I, as long as I've been tracking where people have been listening online three weeks, we got a listener in Iran right now. Hello. And it's taken every single ounce of my oaky body, not to say Iran. Iran is where they're listening from right now. Santa Marta, Colombia. The listener in Cozumel, Mexico, must be on a week-long vacation. Hey, love still it. Still there. They're still listening. Keller, Texas. Maryville, Tennessee. Ada, Oklahoma as well. 
all over the map. What's our Oklahoma small town of the day? That's it doesn't count. You got to give me a different one. Uh, I saw. Uh, I did see Newcastle earlier. Okay, borderline, but I'll accept it. Newcastle is a small town. They're like three A, right? Is Newcastle three A or are they up to four A now? I think they're four A. Okay. No, no, no. I take that back. They're three A. Happy right. birthday, Katie Joe Bradford, as well. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. More to come next right here on Locked In. Oh, buddy. Drama on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Oh, no. Not over anything important, OU recruiting or OU team related. That's how good week one was for the Sooners. The only drama we have right now on the text line is if Parker says there is a reptile floating around in a nearby Oklahoma lake <laughs> or if Newcastle is actually uh, should be dubbed a small town or not. So that's what we have. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, here's... This, that was just a knee-jerk reaction for me not to consider Newcastle a small town. I want to look at the population of Newcastle. I want to give you like a threshold. Trent says ten thousand. Okay, the, so ten thousand. They're the third biggest uh, class in four A enrollment of six ninety three. Okay, so they have. I can look. I can pick out a smaller town text line if you would like. Frederick, Oklahoma. Yes, is on it. the text line, which is basically in Texas. But Frederick is. It is a small town. I'm saying, I know what a small town is. I graduated from one. I'm saying maximum 3,500 people. That's what qualifies as a small town for me. Hmm. As a kid that grew, uh, that graduated with just 22 kids, and that is counting me. I was wow. number 22 on that. I feel like I have a pretty good, uh, pretty good like line there for small town. I, I just Newcastle is a lot bigger than it was 10 years ago or 14 years ago when I was still in high school, but. I don't know. I still consider it a small town. Fair like enough. the the enrollment, the enrollment for Newcastle is large. There's no doubt. But if you roll through the town of Newcastle, it is still a small town. Like it, it has a large enrollment, but a lot of it is like from outside the city limits. It feels like Newcastle still feels very small town once you're actually in inside of it. Well, yeah, because like Casey Thompson played at Newcastle for a couple of years, didn't he? And he wasn't from Newcastle. No, he transferred from uh, Southmore to Newcastle, and I think a couple of his teammates transferred to, from Southmore to Newcastle yeah. as well. Exactly. There you go. But, uh, uh, so the, the alligator conversation has been uh, regenerated? No, I, 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 no I'm just saying that that's really all the drama that we've had on the text line this week because the game was – you know, for the most part, non-stress, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, by the way, uh, instant top five nominee in terms of the greatest text we've ever received on the Air Comfort Solutions text line was earlier today around 1230 when somebody asked, how does the Queen of England's death affect her <laughs> It's a legit question. It's a very legit question. Can OU overcome that? Uh, and that text, it, are, are, were you reading that from earlier? Because oh, that was asked, way, that was way, way. There earlier. was another one that says, "How does the Queen's death affect the uh, recruitment of Peyton Bowen?" <laughs> Hopefully, that doesn't swing things uh, back towards A and M's way. Uh, somebody asked, you, "Look, there's like a hundred texts here. What Tuttle's a small town, Prague, Oklahoma. It's small but nice. All right, yes, we all know what a small town. You don't have to put your small town in the text line. We all know what it is. This conversation is about Newcastle. So somebody said on the text line." Uh, Newcastle's population is over 11,000. Okay, so again, my cap from here on out, 3,500 people. That's what a small town, that's what small town Oklahoma is to me. No more than 3,500 people. All right, well, I will try to include just the small towns when we read the list of where people are listening from. I bet Durango, Colorado 
would be uh, listed as a small town, right? And no big deal. They've got an offensive lineman out there that just got his All-American Bowl jersey. Four-star Josh Bates, suitor commit on the offensive line. That's pretty cool, man, because I think he is, well, I don't even know if I want to say this, because I think there's several guys that are commits right now that you could say, oh, well, he's one of the most undervalued prospects that OU has in this class. You could say that about Cade Spencer. You could say that about um, several guys, probably. But I do think Josh Bates might fall in that category. This guy has a chance to have a really, really, really good career at OU. Kendall on the text line said, let's not make light of the Queen's death. Kendall, have you been on Twitter today? Because that's all people are doing is making light of the Queen's death. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's happening. And it's not just us. We even have some people out there tweeting out what OU has done um, on the football field since she became the Queen of England way back in the day. So it, it's been an interesting look back at, at OU's history while she was the Queen. But yes, Josh Bates getting his All-American Bowl jersey. I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone, um, but it's, it's a really cool honor for him. And I don't know if it further solidifies this offensive line class that OU has, but it just goes to they got four legit guys uh, up front. Yeah, they do. And you got Bates, who's a four star on twenty four seven Sports. You got Heath Ozida. You got Caden Green. Obviously, I I think there's a very very good chance Caden Green is pushing for substantial playing time uh, one year from right now. And then Logan Howland is a bit more of a project just because he hasn't played a ton of offensive line. But if you're talking about what the ceiling is for a guy like that, six foot seven, two hundred eighty, yeah, I'm pretty confident that Bill Bedenboe knows what he's doing with this class, and that the pieces that he's assembled are all going to be long-term contributors at Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, again, really cool for Josh Bates out there in the far, I think, what is it, the southwest corner of the state of Colorado, Durango, have actually been there once that he's getting that All-American Bowl invite, which is uh, which is pretty neat for him. Yeah, I've been to Durango, too. It was before Oklahoma was recruiting Josh Bates. but Yeah, I, I went there well before <laughs> Josh Bates <laughs> is playing high school football. It was a long time ago. Um, by the way, I love this. I'm sure a lot of you did as well. But USC got a decommit yesterday from a four-star defensive back. You probably heard by now, but Braxton Myers says... See ya to USC out of the state of Texas. And this just kind of, I, I, I'm just really starting to wonder here, is this kind of the first crack that we see in USC's 2023 class? They are a Malachi Nelson D commit away from just really rolling down a hill here. Um, they're closer than what some people might believe from not being a top 25 class anymore. Tyler. Are you saying you're rooting for Jimbo Fisher right now? Yeah. No, I, I am openly rooting for Jimbo Fisher. And we've gotten this text before, and before you send it, it's, why would you want a five-star quarterback to go to Texas A&M? I ain't worried about Texas A&M. I don't care who they get. They got the number one class last year. I'm still not worried about Texas A&M. So let Malachi Nelson go to College Station. I'll feel the same way about A&M that I've always felt. It's all good. So, yeah, I'm rooting for Jimbo in this one. Yeah, TLDR. Tyler wants to watch the world burn over Mule Shoe's head. Yeah, I don't want them to have a top 25 recruiting class this year. And you know what? I, I blame Lincoln for that. I blame Mule Shoe because when he spewed that crap a couple months ago, basically saying that I couldn't get the players, he couldn't get the players here necessary, uh -huh. but he can in, in L.A., 
How hilarious would that be if he didn't even get a top 25 class in his first full cycle? If Brian in Tulsa asks, does OU make a play for Braxton Myers? Braxton Myers is a really, really good player, but look, the Sooners right now are focused on Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates at that safety position. If they don't end up with one or both of those guys, which I think they're going to go at least one for two, as I've said for quite a while, uh, the backup plans consist of Marvin Burks, Conrad Hussey, Rohan Fluellen. Those are the contingencies that Oklahoma has in place. So we will see, but both Bowen and Yates are on campus this weekend. Again, we will we, we'll, we will see if Bowen ends up making that Texas A&M visit, but there is the hope and there is the belief among some that that visit doesn't end up happening and this is the weekend that Oklahoma finally locks down Peyton Bowen. 918 Rod says, what do we need to do to land, or who do we need to land to move up to number two and stay there through signing day? Are the numbers there to do it? Who are the top two schools we are competing against besides Alabama? That's a good question because I think a lot is going to change. And I don't think you can comfortably project at this point in time who's going to be at the top come signing day except for uh, two schools really Alabama and Oklahoma are pretty firmly entrenched as programs that are going to be in the top five at the end of the recruiting cycle but man Florida's got a lot left on the table yeah they do Cormani McLean what number three overall player yeah that's a team that could surge in a big way uh I know Texas A&M is down there right they're 20, now. They're at 24. They're inside the top 25 now. Okay, so you see, there you yeah, go. All it took was two commits. Uh, TJ Shanahan and Bravion Rogers uh, jumping in the boat for A&M, and they're right back in the top 25, especially if they end up swaying Malachi Nelson and or Zach Branch to College Station. That's a team that could climb pretty high. Uh, Ohio State especially if they end up with a guy like Keon Keeley, for instance, another big fish, uh, and they're able to hold on to the likes of Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate, et cetera. And, and if Dylan Riola ends up reclassifying. That's oh, that's a, pretty, a chance. That's, a that's like the new trend now where these quarterbacks just reclassify and get there. Was Quinn Ewers kind of the first guy to do that? Because he, he was did, a, right? Yeah, he, it was. he was kind of the first one that did it for very – NIL reasons. NIL reasons. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I can so, make a million dollars by reclassifying? Okay, I'll go do that instead. Yeah, seriously. Quinn Ewers, think, think about what Quinn Ewers just did. It was a pretty phenomenal fleece job, all things considered. He was getting ready to play his senior year and committed to Texas. And then he, he realized, wait, I can go spend a year at Ohio State and make a million bucks. And and, just hang out. Yeah. And so he skipped his senior year of high school, went and rode the bench for a year at Ohio State, Signed a $1.2 million NIL deal, and then after a year, right around the time he would have been graduating high school, he just transferred right back to Texas where he was originally committed in the first place. Unbelievable. And got more NIL deals once he uh, ended up in Austin. Uh Though he did get his car towed uh, during the game last week. Um, By the way, back to that quick text, it's who's OU's biggest competition besides Alabama for that number two spot. Parker mentioned it. Florida's going to be a factor. Uh, Georgia's probably going to be a factor as well. Watch out for Ohio State. We didn't mention Texas, though. And Uh, it it doesn't feel like they have just a ton of top prospects still on the board down the stretch. And maybe they do, and I'm just not realizing it. But I'm seeing several for OU, several for Florida, several possibilities for A&M. I'm not seeing those for Texas right now. No, as of right now... (laughs) 
What Texas is probably most concerned with at the moment is keeping Cedric Baxter in the class. Yeah, because, he was at Florida last weekend. Yeah, that, that's another guy. I mean, you're talking about dudes that Florida could add to push to push him into the top three conversation. It's not just Cormani McLean, but Cedric Baxter is a. There's a very strong possibility he ends up flipping to Florida. I expect Florida to pick up a commitment from Dijon Johnson here pretty soon. And, as I mentioned a few days ago, too, Keon Keeley's a legit possibility for the Gators as well. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's going to be visiting Florida. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll do our best to get to as many texts as possible coming up next segment. We also have high school football tonight at the ref. KREFsports.tv. KREFsports.tv. That is your smartphone, that's your iPad, that's your laptop, that's your smart TV. You can watch Norman High at Moore. One of the OG rivalries on the west side of the state. Norman High and Moore tonight. Believe that kickoff is at 7 p.m. Check that out. KREFsports.tv. Keep it on the ref. We are the Homeless Center fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Some of you may be wondering, on Thursday afternoon before a big week two of college football, how are Texas fans feeling right now? Are they feeling very confident? How could they feel confident? They're a 20-point dog on their home field, and no one thinks they're even going to cover that. Well, I bring you to the message boards, Parker Thune, 24-7 sports message boards. Oh, this will be fun. On the uh, Texas board, it says, all right, not trying to get too ahead of ourselves or anything like that because there's still a game to be played on Saturday, but just wondering on what everyone's thoughts on our fans potentially rushing the field in the event of an historic upset. I think a lot of us here would off the jump say absolutely not. This is the University of Texas. We don't do that kind of thing. People do that when they beat us, not the other way around. And to those people, I say, hear me out. And it goes on, apparently, with the reason as to why Texas should rush the field if they beat Alabama. I cannot believe that they're having these sort of conversations. Here we are. What kind of fan fiction is Ian Boyd cooking up this week about how the analytics say these are the ways that Texas could beat Alabama? I, I also it, it also bothered me that that post said, you know, I, I get it, I understand, like, we don't rush the field. Teams rush the field on us when they beat us. Who? Yeah, who? Who's rushing the field after beating you? Kansas has beaten you like two out of the past five times you've played. No, nobody is rushing the field after beating Texas. Why? Because everyone in the Big 12 has beaten you in like the past four years. No one, Texas. Nobody is rushing the field when they beat you. Absolutely not. At this point, it's like... Like rushing the field after beating Texas is like rushing the field after beating Kansas State. And that might even be too flattering a comparison for Texas. Texas, nobody rushes the field when they beat an unranked opponent. And that's what you've been over the course of the past decade plus. An unranked opponent when you play most teams. One of my favorite statistics of all time is that since 2011, Texas and Nebraska have the exact same amount of wins. Yeah, they're the same program. They are and, the exact same program. And Nebraska, and, and in a tougher conference, right? I, I know the Big Ten West isn't great, but the Big Ten as a whole is a lot better than the Big 12 has been over the past 12 years, you know? I mean, yeah, Texas has to play Oklahoma. 
and Baylor's been pretty good here and there. Oklahoma State's been pretty solid, but you know Nebraska's had to play a Wisconsin team that's pretty good at times. At Ohio State, um, they played Michigan, Penn State. Yeah, Nebraska's had a tougher schedule and still had the same amount of wins as Texas. Text line uh, says, if Texas, by some act of Congress, pulls this off, what's the story if we go down to Dallas and win at the Cotton Bowl? Texas isn't going to pull this off. Like, like, I... I'm struggling to even fathom what a hypothetical realm in which Texas wins this football game looks like. I, I Explain to me, like, lay it out for me, and I'm sure Ian Boyd could do this better than anybody. But in what scenario, save for Bryce Young and Alabama's entire offensive line getting collectively kneecapped, does Texas win this game? They don't. Uh, even a Texas fan from the 580 says, we have 16 freshmen on our depth chart and two freshmen o- offensive line. We have no shot to beat Alabama. Well, how do you know you have 16 freshmen on your depth chart? I thought Sarkeesian didn't release a depth chart just yet. Did he release one and I didn't see it? Maybe the, maybe the, the boosters released one. Well, that's, yes, in their own booster, weekly booster meeting that they have. Peyton says if Texas pulls this off, they'll lose to UTSA next week. I, would it shock anyone? Hey, you know what, like, UTSA pl- uh, almost beat Houston last did. week. They did. Like, like, lost, like, triple overtime. That's not a laughing stock of a program anymore. They may give Texas more than a run. We'll see. But uh, Texas should not be taking that one to the bank either. Texas does not need to worry about what to do if they win. More f- my forecast for Texas, and it has pain, the meme of pain. Yes. <laughs> it is, and I said it yesterday, but it's just so funny to me, is that I've seen every, you know, because every expert out there, Parker, has to release their score predictions or their picks against the spread going into the weekend. And I'm serious, man. I, I looked again today. I have not seen one person taking Texas plus 20 on their home field against Alabama, which is amazing to me. It's not that anyone's not picking Texas to win. It's it's like no one thinks they're going to keep it within three touchdowns of this game. That is amazing to me. Because they're overmatched. They're 1,000% overmatched. And look, to be fair, most everybody is against Alabama, but I'm glad that not even the most diehard of Texas fans is walking into this weekend with any vastly high expectations because this game is going to be over very quickly. And if it's not, I will be very surprised. Uh, Peyton says, I love that Jordan Renaud is the only official visitor this weekend. Let him get the full red carpet treatment as the sole official visitor. There's a lot of visits this weekend, but he's the only like official visit guy. Is that right? Yes, so as of right now, I think the only scheduled official visits for Oklahoma targets prior to Bedlam on the 14th, which is going to be a big official visit weekend, the big official official visit weekend. But until then, it's just Jordan Renaud this week and Cecilia Khan on the 15th. That's it. Yeah, well, and I agree with Peyton on that. It's, you know, you've got a lot of other commitments and other targets that'll be there. But Jordan Renaud's going to be—he's going to be the man on Saturday. You know, he's not going to be the highest-ranked prospect there, but he is going to get the red carpet treatment that those other guys probably won't, seeing that he's on a on an official visit. 
So that, that, that bodes well. And, hey, his commitment is in 11 days, four-star Jordan Renaud. And I don't find any reason as to why OU fans shouldn't think it's going to be OU, the especially only, after this weekend. The only way this gets dicey, in my mind, is if he's in Tuscaloosa on September 17th. Again, that is not on the horizon. It does not appear that that is in the plans. But Alabama does play a home game that day. So maybe, just maybe, the Tide make a push to get him down there on campus one final time before he announces on the 19th. But as of right now, Oklahoma got the last visit from him at the end of July, and they'll get the next visit from him, the last one until he commits this weekend when he's on campus officially. By the way, we talked about USC, uh, that decommit yesterday, four-star corner Braxton Myers. I thought they would drop out of the top 15, and they just dropped down to 14 after that decommitment. Really? Maybe that was more hope from me than actual math that was being done with the, uh, the class calculator, I'm but just, I was I, hoping they would just tumble down outside the top 15. And, like, the class calculator is not as simple as addition or subtraction. It's got a lot of very complex mathematical formulas, the likes of which my brain cannot process. So I've given up on trying to ballpark estimate what XYZ recruit would do for XYZ team's ranking. But I am kind of surprised that the loss of a kid as good as Braxton Myers and as highly ranked as he was relative to the rest of USC's class only dropped him by one He spot. was like, what, their fifth-ranked uh, prospect, I think? Fifth highest-ranked prospect in their class, I want to say? Malachi, Branch, Makai Lemon, Tackett Curtis. So, I think yeah, it was him after would've that. Been, would've been fine. So that, that was a big loss yesterday. And are more big losses coming? <laughs> yeah. Me thinks that that answer is yes. 405-651-3439. More of your text coming up next segment. More Cruton, more OU football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, Elite Roofing Systems. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. EliteRoofOK.com. That's EliteRoofOK.com. Or you can call them 405-361-3094. That's 401-361-3094. Did we find Jacoby Johnson's car yet? No, we that still happen? haven't. People still suck, haven't. man. People do suck. Did it get have... stolen during the Mustang game on Friday? I, I Is that what happened? I think so. I think so, because God. I said it went missing on Friday, so you'd have to conclude then that it happened either before or after Mustang's game, in which Jacoby Johnson, by the way, had four touchdowns. No big deal. <laughs> Four-star athlete committed to OU. No big deal. Probably going to play in the secondary. Uh, four touchdowns in their uh, week one game. I guess they normally play, or they used to play UConn week one. Is that who they played? I don't know. I don't know if they still play UConn because the districts change, so I don't know if they still play UConn or not week one. Yeah, see, I'm still not enough of a local to have the scheduling conventions embedded into my psyche, so I do not know. What I do know is that Jacoby Johnson is one heck of a football player, and he's going to have one whale of a senior season, and hopefully OU Twitter will find his car. At some point. Yeah, I hope so, man. I'm really rooting for that to happen. Not only is Jacoby Johnson a really good player in this state, man, this state is just the overall depth level. It's hard to it's hard to argue that this isn't one of the more impressive years the state of Oklahoma has had in a while. I mean, what are we talking about? Five four stars in this 2023 class, and then you get all the way down to the 
at what, 17th ranked player in the state. 17th ranked player in the state of Oklahoma. That's Dylan has. He's a three-star committed to Arkansas in SEC school. Like, the schools where these kids and the, the kids in the state are committed this year, kind of top to bottom, when you look at the top 20, man, it's an impressive group. And maybe I'm not thinking of a certain year where it's been even deeper, but this is kind of one of the deeper years for Oklahoma high school football I can remember. No, it is. It is a deep year, and I think 2024 will probably be a bit more muted when it comes to depth of talent. You got some dudes, obviously, Zadavian Sims, David Stone, Daniel Koye, kind of at the top of the list. Come 2025, I think that's where you're going to see a similarly talented and deep group, and not just in the metro areas, but places like Winniewood with 2025 athlete Caden Knighton, Ida Bell with Ravion Larry, the outstanding running back who's already garnering Power 5 interest and offers. So looking forward to what 2025 brings in the state of Oklahoma. But yes, uh, to your point, 2023 all across the state, there is a ton of talent. I mean, like the top 11 kids in the state, out of the top 11, there's like four power conferences represented. Uh, you've got By Job going to a Big Ten school, Jacoby Johnson going to a Big 12 school, Luke has going to an SEC school along with Cole Adams, Trey Miller is going to an ACC school, Cal Swanson's going to a Big Ten school, Demarion Thomas going to an SEC school. It's crazy, man. There is some real, there's some real depth uh, in this year's class. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.